Blog Talk Radio. Intelligent, controversial, groundbreaking. The great liberators are coming. Hosts Amiri Brown and Kenya White take on all topics intrinsic to the black experience. No topic is too cold or too hot. Now, here are the great liberators, Amiri Brown and Kenya White. Hey, how's everyone doing out there? We're coming live at you on a Monday night, a special edition. Um, great liberators in the house. This is your host, Mary Brown. Kenya, Kenya, are you there? Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Ready, you know, ready to chop it up and, and delve into this, um, the topic for tonight, which is which is police brutality in, in the black community and, and killer cops on the loose. Um, the call-in number is 646-564-9858. Again, the call-in number is 646-564-9858. Um, if any listeners are on the line and, and, and have a, a question or a comment or would like to add their two cents, press one, and that will bring you in the queue. Um, you know, this we we decided to talk about this this issue because um, just over the last um, several years, there, there have been several high-profile cases of black men and women being essentially being murdered by um, by police officers. Um, you had the case of um, of Walter Scott in South Carolina who was um, gunned down, shot shot in the back. Uh, that was actually caught on caught on camera. Um, there was there was other cases such as um Ezell Ford, um Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, on and on and on and there there has been little um effort by the by the, the political apparatus and the power brokers to alleviate um to alleviate this issue. And it is um a serious issue. We've also seen the militarization of police departments, you know, all across the country, um, where they, where, where you essentially have local police departments operate, operating as quasi, um, uh, military forces, alien military forces, uh, you know, um, persecuting the, the citizenry, persecuting the citizens that they're supposed to protect and they're supposed and they're supposed to serve. And the most recent case that's been in the media lately has been the case of uh, Stefan Clark, which um, you know it was a tragic a tragic situ- situation. I believe he was he was shot um, twenty times. And I think I think we have to you know be honest with ourselves and and, and say that there has to be a reckoning as a country. There has to be a reckoning. Uh, as Martin Luther King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So it's a it's a major problem, and it's not something that that we can ignore. I think if you would ask any um, any any black person, but it's particularly any black male, 
how have their run-ins with the police have been, you would have a, a, a healthy amount of them saying that they have been unpleasant and they've been downright nasty encounters. Um, I'll just give my, you know, my encounter briefly. I was around, I don't know, maybe 18, and I remember I had I, had, I was working at a, a fast food place, so I had just got home, um, and I was outside in the street with uh, with a with a friend of mine, and so you know we were we were doing something we didn't have any business doing, but I mean it wasn't nothing bad. We was just we were actually playing with you know firecrackers in the in the street, and so we saw we saw a police car whip around the corner with the lights on, so we got scared thinking they were thinking they were coming for us. So we broke out and ran. So uh, the, the the cops stopped and they and they and they chased after us. They caught me. They didn't catch him, but they caught me and they put me on the ground. And and the officer put the gun right to my chest and he said, "If if you move, I'm a pop you." That's what he told me. I never forget it. Oh and, my goodness. Um, right. And 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 I could and I could tell you just from that experience that everything in that moment happens. It's a, it happens so fast. It happened so fast, and so they, you know, they detained me. They put me in a police car. Now I'm in front, of my, I'm in front of my mother's house. You know, I haven't, I haven't done anything, but they said that they, you know, they, they gave the usual um, excuse that they always give. Oh well, we were looking for a suspect in the area, you know, which which we know that that every black male is a suspect in their mind. Every black male is guilty of is guilty of something, and is. Yeah. Um, and deserves to be accosted and harassed uh, by the police. But as I was sitting there, and these were these were these were young men, you know, young you know young white white male cops. And I I specifically remember how gleeful they were and gung ho they were and trigger happy they were at the prospect of wielding this this massive power that the title and the badge of a police officer affords you and so I was you know I was eavesdropping I was ear hustling and I heard cause, you know they were just talking just shooting them you know shooting the breeze with each other and uh like one of the officers was, was telling the other officers about a, a story about how he chased the he chased the suspect into a into an alley and he and, and how the suspect uh ran into the bushes and he, he said he couldn't see him but he was like yeah man I had my gun there man if I would have saw anything move I was gonna light his ass up dude you know, like, like I, I specifically remember that. So it it just goes to show you how there's this dirty Harry mentality that seems mm-hmm. to uh, pervade pervade many police departments. And I mean, and 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 we know this to be true because we can look at we can look at the numbers. We can look at the hard data and say that there is a problem with policing in America, and not even just. Uh, along racial lines, because believe it or not, most victims of police shootings are white, which you know, which we know that's relative to population. But it just goes to show you how that there is this bloodlust that is inherent and ingrained and interwoven into the very fabric of America, because we know that America was built upon rape, robbery. Murder, mayhem, destruction, displacement of of uh, of native peoples. So this is something that America has a long dalliance with violence, and with violence against the least of these. 
perpetrating violence against those who are uh, the least capable of defending themselves against that violence. So, uh, what's some of your what's some of your thoughts on it? We actually have a couple of callers in the queue. Um, just just hang tight, guys, and we'll we'll get you on and, and get your comments and your, your stories and your thoughts. Uh, again, if anyone has a, a question or a comment, just press one and that'll bring you in the queue. Okay. Um, what what's some of your thoughts on it, Kenya? Well, some of my thoughts on it are that you know we all know that the um, the modern day cops were they originated with the slave patrols and right. it, it it was built upon having to, you know a double standard a standard for them where they can act civil for the most part definitely a, a different level of respect for each other um, and mm. then there was you know, the way they treated the others, meaning us. So right. this just it's it's just a historical fact that they've been used to subdue uh people of color, not just black people, but people of color mm-hmm. and, and I think that working class and lower class white people they can't be you know, they can't be too comfortable either because it they're not about protecting and serving the citizens. They are protecting the government and the corporations that pay them, you know, we pay them with taxes, but they're not working for mm-hmm. us. Right. They don't work for us directly. I don't think anybody is under any delusions about that. Right. But you know what? Because and, and here's something that I always bring up when, like, when you had, when, especially white people, because what, like, what we mentioned, how that you actually have white people who are who are actually greater victims of of uh police shootings they often will carry water for for the police i think that the we have we we have this dairyistic way of looking at law enforcement and right and wrong and the nature of criminality and what it means to be a criminal um you know that that whole thing with the you know the cops and the robbers uh, you know, good good guys versus bad guys. Yes, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be this very defined line between the two. A very fine right. line be- line between between the good guy who is supposed to be the cop and the bad guy who's supposed to who, who's supposed to be the robber. With that being mm-hmm. the, his, the 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 historical context of policing within America, how is it when black when we as black people voice our concern? <laughs> police brutality and the extra judicious killings of black people at the hands of the police how is it that uh, situations that take place in Chicago for example are used as the litmus for what is acceptable by the police if the police are fundamentally a good guy organization or are there to uphold the law and protect and protect the law how are you using the behavior of criminals to justify and qualify that behavior? Because that they'll always make that juxtaposition. Well, what about what about Chicago? That's what they say. What about what, what about Chicago? All black, all black Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. You, uh, all that's killing that's going on in Chicago. So what? Are, so what you're really when you do that, what you're telling me is that you essentially have the law enforcement apparatus of of America acting as a criminal syndicate. 
I mean, that's something that we saw in Chicago with the Laquan McDonald case, where you had a, a cover-up of, of, of the facts of that case from the top down, where everyone was complicit and everyone was a, was a part of that cover-up. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, so this is something that has to be, that has to be, um, that has to be exposed. And I think that there is a level of um, solution that could, that that could be had, but it, that's something that has to take place um, with a a mm-hmm. sense of of real of realism of what is possible and what is not within the American social, political, and economic order. All right, uh, calling nine one six. I'm bringing you on. Uh, come on, you have, if you have a question or comment, uh, say your piece and, and be brief. Yeah, Carla, you're on the line. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. It's this Cookie. cookie? Yeah. Oh, uh, how you doing, Cookie? <laughs> I'm good. Hey, how y'all cookie. doing? Hey, Miss Kenya. Hey. <laughs> Oh gosh, police brutality. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> oh gosh, where do I begin? I mean, golly. <laughs> you know, I, well, I you, Huh, go ahead. No, I'm saying do do you have any personal experiences of no of any um anyone who's been accosted or assaulted by the by the police? I do, I do. Um, mm. My son's father, he's from the south side of Chicago. Mm. Okay. And um, he's in Cali now, but he, um, they were walking home, and um, some cops, you know, drove up on him and said, oh, y'all fit the description mm-hmm. of, you know, some burglary that happened down the street or whatever. Right. And, um he was 14 years old, and wow, he remembers. Years old. Yeah, they were 14 years old, and he remembers that white cop pulled a gun on him and put it in his face. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and he he thought he wasn't going home that night, but um, yeah, it's real. I mean, um, right? These cops, you know, Chicago's real. Real, 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 real bad with their cops. Um, so is Louisiana. Right. Then you got LAPD. And y'all from LA. Right, or so LAPD, they take the case. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they're very, very, especially when Daryl Gates was um, um, the head back there. But, um, yeah, I've, I've seen it. Not seen it personally. Um, I've never mm-hmm. really had a bad experience with law enforcement. Uh, personally, right. Um, right. But I, you know, I, 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 I've, I've heard about it. I mean, I have cousins in my family that's been through it. You know, I know it exists. It's not something I can say. Well, you know, I've never been through that. So, no, I know it's there. You know, right. I have four sons. So um, right. that's my fear. That's gonna always be a fear right. for me. You know. So right. yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> excuse me. It's it's definitely um. It's definitely a clear and present, you know, present, present danger, and uh, is is something that that does need to, that does need to be 
to be challenged. I mean, because even uh, a few years ago, I think it was back in 2006, 2007, uh, FBI memo came out uh, stating how local police departments all across the country had been infiltrated by white supremacists, white mm-hmm. extremist groups. And this goes back to the point that Kenya made when she, when she mentioned the slave patrols. The history mm-hmm. and nature of law enforcement within, within um, uh, uh, American life is one that has been, ha- has been the military arm of white supremacy. That's essentially, right. that's essentially what it has been. And I've often, I've, I've often um, seen many, many times people say things like, uh, we need black policemen. But I don't even think that that will will necessarily do anything because even if you have a black police police officer, that black mm-hmm. police officer is still acting as a representative of the state. Yeah. And he's representing the interests of the state. He gets his directives from the state. So I think part of what needs to be what needs to be um uh, considered as as a part of any solution would be self policing, where uh, black people um, in, in in their relative communities uh, would pool resources and 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 develop their own police forces that would that police their own communities. Why 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 can't we do that? Uh, there's there's other things that you could put in place too, like civilian review boards uh, that 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 exercise a level of oversight over uh, the ruling apparatus, which is a part of the the same law enforcement um, system. Because the system isn't going to go against itself. Uh, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So how can we expect to get um, how can we expect to get justice from from those who are committing the injustice? That logic doesn't yeah. trick with me. What, what, what you have to say about that, Kenya? Well, I, I, I don't think that we can expect that, you know, if we have a, a bunch of black cops. Well, for one thing, I don't think they would let, you know, a swarm of black people infiltrate all the precincts. At some point, they would recognize that they're becoming outnumbered and this could be potentially dangerous for them. You know, I don't think that's, you know, beyond their scope of, you know what I'm saying? Foresight to Mm -hmm. think, you know, okay, this is getting a little bit too black. You know, I think that they have been having, you know, those kinds of things in the back of their minds since they Mm -hmm. took us into slavery of all the ways in which they need to thwart us because, we, you know, they don't, they don't want that retribution. And I honestly think that a bunch of black cops armed is going to feel like, mm-hmm. you know, it might be coming on the horizon. And I, I don't think that they're going to let that happen. I think that before right. we would be able to take over, you know, have a majority that they would do mm-hmm. something about that. And, and right. another thing, there right. is a, a culture and a code of silence within you know, right. each little precinct, and and then with 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 all cops in general, I don't think that you know a a black cop could go 
to or several black cops could go and, and, you know, decide that they are going to, you know, be the equalizers and make things right. I think that they know that their lives would be in danger. They have to go to work every day with those coworkers, you know, and that, you know, as as quickly as they could accidentally on purpose shoot us, they can accidentally on purpose shoot their um, partner or another officer. So, you know, I don't think that's that's going to do it either. Right. You know, um, my um, I, do you have anything else to say, Cookie? Okay, go ahead. I was gonna say my husband's a Georgia State trooper, so oh, we're constantly okay. having these conversations. You know, and mm-hmm. we we had a few heated discussions because he's very by the book, very black and white. I mean, mm-hmm. Mark is right. Just, no rule breaker. It has to be this way. I mean, every review, every right. year, he's the top trooper that gets the most ticket, the most arrest. And I keep telling mm. him, babe, these white folks don't give a fuck about you. Like, seriously. <laughs> now he's out. Now he's getting ready to do a military, I mean, not a military, but a medical retirement because this woman blasted into him from behind and totaled his cruiser out. Um, last year, mm. September. So now he's getting ready to retire out after 16 years, and now he's going through his um, depression state and all that stuff because state troopers have a lot of power out here. Yeah, right. And you, you're getting ready to lose that power. So, but you wasn't able to separate real life from law enforcement. Mm, you right. know what I'm saying? So it's like he's so stern and so diplomatic about it. Now. He's a number. Now he's realizing, dang, I'm a number. I'm going to be replaced, <laughs> you know, yeah. as I retire. And, you know, it's unfortunate because we watched his documentary before. Um, it has Sandra Bland, Eric Garner, Cromley, and somebody else. I forgot. And it's hard to have these kind of conversations with him because, like I said, he's so blue. You know what I'm saying? Right. And when I tell him, look, I can see both sides of the spectrum. I can see the community side. I can see law enforcement. I mean, I work around law enforcement. I used to be a Capitol Police officer, and then I went to the court mm-hmm. system. So, I, you know, I left because I didn't like what was going on, and I voiced my opinion too much. My oh, mouth right. in trouble a lot. So, you know, I was like, you okay? Well, I'll find something else to do within the, the scope of criminal justice. So, um mm-hmm. Needless to say, just, you know, we kind of get in arguments because he goes, well, they only show videos starting here. And that's not the point. The point is you can't ignore the numbers. You can't ignore that there are bad cops out there that are outweighing the good cops. You know what I'm saying? You can't, I said, you can't right. be that naive. You can't be that narrow-minded to think that there's no good, there's no um, bad cops. I said, babe. There's cops that literally put, they wake up in the morning, put their uniform on, ready to make someone's life miserable. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? I said, this happens. I said, right. we watch Snap all the time. We watch ID Channel all the time. We see it. So why are you naive to what's going on? And he actually agreed right. with me when it came to Stephon Clark. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, for real? But you know what I'm saying? But it's hard <laughs> when you're with someone who is so embedded in that. Because you have to take an oath when you become a law enforcement officer. Right. You know what I'm talking about? They have so much money right. from legal, um, from the legal people when they go through things like mm. this. That's why they always get acquitted. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's bigger. It's way bigger than just, you know, going to court and it's on it's on video and all this stuff. No. These fools got like so much money poured into them from the governor down. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like it's hard to really get these cops to be um, you know, responsible and, and get the real, you know, time that they deserve for murdering people. It's really hard. Right. You know? Um, So I commend those who are really trying to get it out there and trying to get, you know, the coverage in order for them to be um, prosecuted and convicted and things like that. But I'm Mm -hmm. telling you, man, that money, that money is something Mm -hmm. else. And you know money talks. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how many times they show the video and and it shows that they're guilty as hell. But that money, Mm -hmm. it's the politics. That's behind it. You understand right. what I'm saying? So it's really right. difficult. Right. And and I wanna draw I wanna draw I wanna draw uh draw a line here. Thanks for your uh for your for your comment, Cookie. I wanna draw a line here right quick, Kenya, because I think because you know, we have to understand that all these things are interrelated and interconnected because what what the, the previous caller just just mentioned was a great point, which talked about the money that's that that helps um, these officers when they're on trial and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The major problem with a lot of these cases that where justice isn't rendered are the unions. It's the police unions. See, we have to yeah. understand that. And we, what we also must understand when we start talking about unions is we have to understand the, the, the direct link to the Democratic Party. Matter of fact, many of the areas where these types of shootings and police brutality take place are in democratic, demo, democratically controlled areas, like Baltimore, for example, with Freddie Gray, or Fer- Ferguson. Matter of fact, the prosecutor in Ferguson who put on that sham grand jury for Darren Wilson, Bob McCullough, is a Democrat. Sheriff wow. Wesley Clark, uh, Sheriff Clark, I forgot his first name, but that coon, yeah. he's a Democrat. But if you notice, he'll, he, he's always on Fox News, which is supposed to be a right-wing conservative, uh, c- conservative news station that carries water for the Republicans. But yet, Dr., uh, Sheriff Clark is a Democrat, but he postures and he speaks as if he's a Republican. So we right. have to understand the way the, the, the way the political structure itself is, is interconnected. The, the major problem with with a lot of those cases are the are those police unions. The major major uh, inhibitor to to justice and to seeing that justice is done are Democrats. So one part of a solution that we that that needs to be examined is black people leaving the Democratic plantation. That is right. that is essential. Where we need to form our own party, and 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 when we form our own party, part of our part of that party platform should be oversight for police brutality and right. for um, pol- police shootings and and extrajudicious police killings. Right. We actually have another caller, uh, caller four zero four. I'm going to be bringing you on. Um, make your comment. Yeah, Carla. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, my dear, this is Yukimi. 
Hi. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How yeah. are you? Okay. I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. This yeah, is a very good topic. And, yeah, this is a very good topic, and I've been wanting to speak on it for a long time, especially from the perspective of a black woman, because, you know, I think that, you know, the encounters, the hostile encounters that black women have with police, mm-hmm. you know, and the police brutality that we suffer has been, you know, greatly minimized and overshadowed as if, you know, there are no black women, you know, who experience this. You know, maybe they'll bring up Sandra Blair's name a time or two, but, you know, that's the extent of it. But, you know, as a black woman, I've had numerous, you know, encounters where I was the victim of police brutality. Um, As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, you know, when this whole issue of, police brutality began to um, take form, you know, in the media because of the recent incidents, it had no shock value to me because I had well been Mm -hmm. acquainted with it. Um, As a matter of fact, the neighborhood where I come from, you know, Jefferson Parish in Louisiana, like I remember 20, 30 years ago, there being talk in the community about, you know, one of our uh, residents being found hogtied shot in the back. That was um, You know, it, it was a common thing where the police would come through the community and they would go to the local community store just as routine, rough up everybody in front of the store. And, um, right. and, and I mean, and that was one of my very first encounters. And, you know, what happened with me, I remember this one instance in particular, I wasn't doing nothing. I was just standing out there. But because I dared to look a police officer in the eye, he roughed me up. He just wow. told me, he's like, how dare you look me in the eye? And at wow. that time, I didn't see I didn't see no police uniform. I saw a, a slave master. And, wow. right. you know, and I just, my, my, my own sense of human dignity would not let me submit to that. So on instinct, yeah, I swung on him. And from that point on, I became like a target to the local police officers whenever they saw me. No matter what I was doing, they would just stop me and try to rough me up. Um, you know, I remember one time, um, you know, I sustained fractured ribs at the hands of a police officer because I was involved in an altercation, and I was calling them to my defense. Instead of them looking into the situation, the officer, the minute he stepped out of his patrol car, he see me, and he says, bitch, you want a box? Oh. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I come from a, a family of boxes, so I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, because, you know, my early instances with the police officers had, you know, pretty much given me a case of PTSD to whenever I saw a police officer, I didn't see them as someone who was coming to my aid, my defense. I saw them, you know, as someone who was coming to attack me. So I either went to flight or fight response without even thinking. You know, I was either going to run for my life and try to get mm-hmm. away, or I was either going to fight and try to take their life so they so they wouldn't do uh, damage to mine. And, you know, I, I was pretty young at this time, so I was not mature in my thinking processes. I wasn't thinking about, oh, I could get shot or, you know, something could happen to me. I was really thinking about, you know, how dare they um, dehumanize me. You know, it was just a sense of indignity that made me take the, you know, have the response that I, I that I had. Um, now that I'm older, you know, I would not have responded in the way that I did, you know, when I was younger. But I think that happens with a lot of black people because of their, you know, hostile history with the police officers. When we see the police, a lot of us have uh, a response that only exacerbates the situation. You know, that's so true. I mean, that's, and, and you that, can see that you can see that with um, with Eric Garner. He was tired. 
it's a parent right. excuse me, that they had they had they had been harassing the man and he was tired. Right. And he's from Louisiana and um you know what people need to if you want to have a real one on one encounter and experience of what the racism was like a century ago in the deep south, come to Louisiana because in some parts of Louisiana it's like you being transported back to the deep south at the turn of the century. That's the that's the racial climate. I mean, because you know, I always say that, you know, depending on where you go, the racism is different. Like in Georgia, they have a um, a more sophisticated form of racism where it's you know covert. But in Louisiana, the, the whites are poor. You know they don't have much, so they don't they have no qualms about letting you know how racist and down low they are. And I mean they they they're racist in your face, and they think that they have a, a right to do that. You know, so um, you know one of the incidents when the police was like, "Bitch, you want a box?" Out of defense, I did what I had to do. You know, and I tugged with him, you know, and, and I gave him a run for the money. But <laughs> at the end of it, I ended up sustaining, you know, fractured ribs. So <clears throat> that's just my experience. And then, you know, I also want to speak on how I think the response of, um, you know, the activists mm-hmm. is so ineffective. <laughs> right. It's, it's it's one that's very – we tend to be very reactionary as a people. <laughs> And we, it's like we don't believe in getting out in front of, in front of an issue. I mean, I, to, to effectively combat police brutality, police misconduct, um, these killer cops on the loose, these race soldiers on the loose, that's something right. that would take proactive measures in place. See, there's a difference between right. there's a difference between protection and reaction. Protection can never be a reaction because if you're reacting, then you're not protecting because it's too late. That's after the fact. Right. Protection right. must be proactive. So what proactive right. steps can, can, can we take as a people within our respective communities to, right. to make sure that the, that the police are operating above board? Right. That, that is the fundamental question when we talk about right. this issue. Go ahead. Because, you know, I think we need to take a hint from our ancestors during the civil rights movement. I mean, the way black people are mobilizing and organizing and addressing police brutality is just so, so par and, and poor and shoddy compared to the to the stats that our ancestors who were engaged in the movement took. Like back then, you know, black people knew how to mobilize. Black right. people knew how to organize. Black people knew how to protest. And it wasn't just right. getting in the streets carrying signs, throwing over a trash can or two. I mean, they were targeting, right. um, you know, the system, you know, from the from the from the from the grassroots level to the legislative level. I mean, the the Black Panther Party they actually mobilized and marched you to Congress with with arms, you know, armed. Right. And I mean, I don't right. know. I, I don't know if there if this if the if this, the powers that be have now, now look at. Now look at these clowns and these, and these charlatans that we have perpetrating yeah, I mean, themselves I mean, in front of the people it, it, as some as some messiahs right. or some or some leaders. The the main thing is, is how are we how are we effective? What is effective and what works? <laughs> this is how come I don't subscribe to this ideology of separation or segregation as if 
that automatically equates to insulation and protection. It does not. They do not have to be amongst you and integrated with you to harm you. They don't need that. They don't need to be amongst (laughs) you. They don't need you integrated into the system to to mistreat you or or, or to harm you. So so that is a a um, that is a shell game. That's all, that's all it is. You're not really solving solving the issue. You're not really solving the issue. Right. I think. And, 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 right, and let me ahead. tell you. And, and the and the problem that they are making the they are making it clear in our face. They're not going to change their practices. These little protests that and that the Black Lives Matter movement is not making a dent in these people's agenda. It seems like the more they protest, the more people they go out and shoot. They don't plan on the escal. Like if it is the case in point, you know, when it was at the height, you know, of the whole drama and conflict, Barack Obama gets on the TV and he passes a law not to protect black civilians but to protect police officers. Every day they sending right. out the message: we have no. No uh, plans on showing any type of sympathy or are taking measures to ensure justice in our community. But I don't even if think it's. I don't even think it's that. Hold on, hold on, because I don't even. I don't even think it's that. Is that per se? It goes. It goes back to what I said. A house divided against itself can't stand. So they're not. They're never going to. They're never going to disallow the police. Remember when? Remember when? Because we. Because we actually got a glimpse of how President Obama actually, actually thinks and thought about police very early on in his first in his first term when they had that that beer summit with uh, Lewis Skip Gates at I believe it was Yale University or Harvard and he was arrested in his own home and so at and, and so at his first. Uh, press briefing with the with the with the the White House press, they asked President Obama about it, and he he critiqued the police and said they acted stupidly. So we so we know <laughs> that he he got it on a on a on a personal level, but as a president mm-hmm. and as a person who is who is a part of the very same system, he cannot go against that in in any way that is overt. And I think that's how come the solution that we seek has to be up to. Up to the community and those in the community. The problem is right. is that the people who are in the community are so demoralized that they lack the moral, ethical compass to tackle these issues in ways that are effective. So what right. you, what you essentially have are Negroes proclaiming to be woke, <laughs> proclaiming to be conscious, basically parroting each other with 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 right. learned. Um, ideas and ideology. So this is how right. all of them say the exact same thing. We just got to separate. We just got to separate, man. And Martin Luther King, man, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King uh, sold us out, man. Brother Martin Luther King did. You know what I'm saying? Stupid. But then the, the, when, when Colin Kaepernick wants to protest at the, at, at you know, at, essentially at his job, you know, all of them jumped on the bandwagon talking about boycotting. Who, where do you think you got the idea to boycott from? You got that from the exactly. Civil Rights Movement and Martin Luther King. So what are you talking about? Right. Exactly. And, 
you know, I mean, and that's the worst thing because, see, what the problem is, they don't want black people to know how to be able to organize and unionize and, and strategically move through the legislative and executive branches of government. Black people aren't getting anything done because we do not know how to maneuver through the legislative and executive branches of government. Getting in the street and having a protest and marching, that's not doing anything to make a dent in the impact on the legislative level. We don't have enough black people who are educated and have the skill set to strategically target and address these issues on the legislative and executive level. And that's what the government wants. They don't want us to be educated on how to do this. Like for me, for instance, I knew that I knew that I was the victim of injustice, but because I felt so powerless at the time, I didn't know how to deal with those, those issues as a young person, how to write a grievance, how to go to internal affairs. I remember seeking help trying to get that done. And I got doors shut in my face. So my only reason, my only, uh, only thing I had I felt to defend myself was to resort to the street level and get ignorant and be trying to engage in a slugfest with the police. And, and that's the typical response of black people. We take it to these ineffective street level means. Going out here in the street, marching, protesting with signs, setting shit on fire, turning over trash cans is not going to get anything done. You know, the Civil Rights Act got passed because Lyndon B. Johnson signed the bill. You know, we need to know how to penetrate to the legislative, you know, level and to the executive level and work within the system to get things to change. But black people have been duped into believing that the system does not work for us. So we don't even try to get into the system and change things on the systematic level. Exactly. And, you know, uh, uh, thanks for your call, you see me. And and, and that's that's exactly, uh, exactly exactly right that's exactly what i what i what i what i'm talking about man this this pie in the sky rhetoric talking about we need to just separate black power black power and our that i mean that that sounds good but the problem is it only sounds good to us in the real world where the the, the, the where the pop where the levels of power uh are are are, are controlled that doesn't do anything so how so how do we engage this this system in a way that is effective, and this is how come many of them cannot appreciate the brilliance of someone like Martin Luther King. They they mm-hmm. they see Martin Luther King as a fundamentally flawed black man whose loyalties to black people are questioned, even though he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Why is that? Why why do we do that? And this is how come. We haven't effectively um, engaged engaged this issue because even like I said it, I'm not participating in the NFL boycott, and the reason why I'm not, and 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 and, and all due respect to Brother Colin Kaepernick, and I understand everything that he was trying to do. I understand that he was of mixed race origin, and so that for him that was something that was very much self affirming of his blackness and his self awareness as a black man, but. As a, as a point of strategy, I understood that it was something that was largely symbolic, futile, and it wasn't, it wasn't going to do anything. Because the bottom line is this, is that the National Football League does not determine public policy. Period. Right. The policy by the NFL. So what, 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 what am I boycotting the NFL for? But I bet you if you ask all of those those who participated in the NFL in the, in, in the NFL boycott, 
who is your who is your local uh, councilman? Who is your local sheriff? Who is your local alderman? Who's your congressman uh, that represents you in Congress? Who's the state senator for your state that, repre- that, represents, that represents you in the Senate? See, the, 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 the problem that we have as black people today is that we have no political literacy. We don't understand the political game. We don't understand right. it. And so because we don't understand it, we, we, are, we divorce ourselves from it. And when we do that, all it does is it allows those intransigent, obstinate forces who would do us harm the ability to do us harm. You have to meet them where they are. And where they are are in the positions of power in Washington, D.C., the positions of power in, in the municipal, uh, municipalities all across this country and local state governments. That's where they are. They're not in the NFL. So why, so, so why are you shadow boxing? Why are you shadow boxing? And so that was something that uh, that I that I that I that I understood, and that's how come I wasn't wasn't supporting it because what it really takes and what it really requires is organized, sustained political, economic, and social activity, and that's something that we don't have the, the moral fiber within ourselves to really do in a uh, substantial way, and that's a major part of of the problem. Um, can you do you have do we have any stats on um police brutality cases um or or police shootings or anything like that i have i have just some um names that most of okay. them will sound yeah. familiar but we have okay, yeah, name um, them all. uh stephen clark stefan clark sorry from sacramento california and that was the most recent one and the um, Daryl Steinberg is a Democrat, and he's the mayor of that town. Philando Castile from Falcon Heights, uh, Minnesota, and Mayor Peter Lindstrom, a Democrat. Uh, Jeremy McDowell in Wilmington, Delaware. That's the man. I don't know if anybody remembers that video uh, that was going around Facebook where they shot a man that was actually in a wheelchair at the time. I don't that, remember seeing that. Yeah, well, Mike Perzicki is a, a Democrat. That's their mayor. Alton Sterling, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm. Sharon Western Broom, and she's actually a black woman. She's a Democrat, but they weren't able to do anything. Danny Ray Thomas, um, mm. he was shot. Now he was shot by a black cop. <laughs> And that, that just goes back to what you're saying. They they have to stay with the status quo. They can't go out some renegade black man that's going to buck the system. They have to do what they are instructed to do, and they have to right. they have to you know operate in unison with their brothers. You know, they, like like you Kimmy said, they take an oath, and those are their brothers. Maybe more so than even you know skin folk. Anyway, Sylvester Turner right. is a Democrat. Um, that was the Houston, Texas, uh, Danny Ray Thomas. Saheed Vassal, that's the guy who just got shot. <clears throat> they said he had a, a shower head in his hand, and they thought it was a weapon, which is crap. I mean, right. how are you a cop and you can't distinguish between a cell phone, a shower head, and a gun? You know, 
Dorothy, and right. that happened in Brooklyn, Crown Point, uh, no, Crown Heights area, New York, mm-hmm. and Bill De, De Blasico is a, a Democrat, and one more, oh no, that's something else. <laughs> that's all I have. <laughs> okay. And, and you know what? Here, yeah, this, so, is the, this is the question I have. This is the question I have for them. If if a truck driver, you know, a driver who drives a big rig, if he goes out there on the highway and mm. he has an accident, and it's a major accident, it kills like five people or even one person, mm. chances are that that trucker is going to be charged with some form of negligent vehicular homicide. So he's going to be right. charged. Mm-hmm. How is it that we have higher standards of accountability for someone who's driving a vehicle that may very well kill someone in, un, um, unintentionally than for a police officer who's supposed to be a trained professional there to, to protect and serve the citizens. And every time the, the, one of these um, uh, unjust killings take place, all you hear is, well, all cops not bad. It's not all cops. When a truck driver kills somebody, I don't ever hear you saying it's not all truck drivers. Right. You never hear him say that when it, when it, when a truck driver kills somebody. There's automatically laws on the book that hold that truck driver accountable for his actions. Mm-hmm. So how is it police who have a greater weight within um, society, how are they given a pass? See, and, it, and, and that goes back again to that, that issue with, with the unions. I think there has to be some level of of standards relative to each department on how these officers are trained, on how they are introduced and incorporated into the community, on where they're from, on their racial composition, and on their psychological profiles. I think every police officer should be um, subject to some form of PTSD screening and therapy because they are exposed to a lot of traumatic situations, just, you know, car accidents, all type of, you know, uh, tragedy, seeing things in their lives that you and I couldn't dream of. So I think that's, um, I think that's something that can be done to, to like kind of, um, mitigate against that. But that's a very relevant point. You never hear anyone say, well, all truck drivers not bad. You never hear anyone say that. Um, again, the calling number is six four six five six four nine eight five eight. We have about fifteen minutes left um, for the show. If anyone has a question or a comment, um, any listeners out there, press one out of bring you in the queue, and you can come in and give your story um, or your testimony of, of your your uh, running with the police. Matter of fact, my wife. Her uncle was actually killed by the police. Oh my god! Um, yeah, he was actually killed. They they uh they shot him in the back, and mm. um and they just let him, you know, lie there and, and and bleed out. And so this is like I can only imagine um the pain that that you know someone like Michael Brown's mother ex- you know you know felt. With that, uh, you know, so it's so it's a it's a very pertinent, important issue that we do need to turn up the um, 
turn up the heat on and really and really talk about in in ways that are you know that are serious because because again as i said it's uh um it's it's a major problem have you had any run-ins with the with the police yourself kenya no i actually have not had any run-ins with the police but i have definitely witnessed other people being jacked up and harassed my son who was um mm-hmm. i guess 14 or 15 at the time he was walking through the common areas of this um, area that we live in and mm-hmm. you know a cop came up to him and started telling him that where's your ID let me see your ID and my son mm-hmm. wasn't old enough to have an ID he had a school ID but he wasn't just walking around with it it wasn't school hours you know and right. I didn't witness it but he told me about it and said that, you know, it was only because a black woman was sitting sitting on her porch and she was saying to him, leave him alone. That is a child. You can't look at him and tell that that is a child. That is a little boy. Leave him alone. Right. You know, and so, you know, they just, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, I guess just to put the fear of the cops in him because my son, he... Right. He's just a, a medium stature, you know, little dude. He doesn't mm-hmm. look much older than he actually is. So, you know, I, right. I don't think that they don't know the difference between a little boy and a grown man. They just regard all black males as dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, aggressive men. Well, you know and what? But that's something. There, 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 are studies on, there are studies on that where – uh, you know, white society oftentimes they view black boys to be older than what they than what they really are. And and mm-hmm. like to Tamir Rice, for example, you know, he said, I mean, Tamir Rice was what uh, thirteen or fourteen. He was a child, mm-hmm. but the, the police talking about he well, he, this is a twenty-two something year old man. See, that goes to the psych. Now we're talking about the psychology. Of, mm-hmm. uh, of of white of white supremacy and the inherent um, ambivalence they have to to melanin to be to to be uh, to be frank um, there is something within the culture that operates mm-hmm. and that functions in very subtle ways that where the culture is constantly re reinforming and reaffirming itself. In regards right. to blackness, that is something that we have to be honest about, and, yeah. and that is absolutely true. Uh, I remember when um, O.J. Simpson got had his running with, with uh, you know, with the police when he, you know, he was accused of murder, he was arrested, and everything. And I remember his picture was on um, the cover of Time magazine. Oh and yeah. Time magazine intentionally darkened. His his yeah. visage to make him appear more to make him appear more menacing. The fundamental mm-hmm. question is this: is irregardless of how pure, of how um, uh, noble and altruistic any white person may be, the question is: at at, at their heart, at their core, are they is every white person racist? And the answer would have to be a resounding yes. See, because that's one thing we have to understand about white supremacy. White supremacy does not always have to be 
uh, malevolent. It does not always have to be uh, confrontational. It does not always have to be barbaric and brutal. White supremacy can simply be a white person thinking that they are better, that they are supreme or better than you just because. So they can be the most nicest white person you ever want to meet. They are very cordial. They'll sit there and talk to you. You know, they'll invite you over for, for dinner, you know, that whole thing. But somewhere in the recess of their mind, they have this sense of superiority. That's what white supremacy is by definition. Just the very sense of, 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 feeling, um, of feeling supreme. And so that's something that, that, we have to be, um, that we have to be honest about, about too. Um, and, it's, and, and what it does is it creates an environment that is dangerous for black people and especially, and especially black youth. Like I think one of the most um, sobering moments in my life as a parent, as a father, I have a son. He's, you know, at the time he may, he's 17 now, but at the time he was 16. And this is when you had all these high profile cases going on with the, you know, with the police shootings and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was getting ready to go to school when he was outside. And I realized that when I looked at him, I saw every every other black black youth that had been killed by the police. Right. That there was no differentiation between my son and one of them. My son is them, and they are my son. That could very easily be my son. So that is something that was, uh, you know, that was was sobering. And even with that being said, you know, because we talk about how, you know, what parents have to give their kids to talk, we have to realize that you can do everything the police say and still get shot. Exactly. You can do everything they say, pose no threat, be be 100% compliant and still end up dead. Look at Philando Castile. Right. Look at... The uh the social worker in Miami, he was laying on the ground. I mean, not Miami, it was in Florida somewhere. He was laying on the ground with his hands in the air, and the cops still shot him. Right. The cops still shot him. And what justice was measured out? You just gonna pay uh, a little measly um settlement and think that that clears clears your ledger of the uh that's that's drenched in in, in the blood uh, of black people. No, there has to be a reckoning for for this type of of activity and behavior in 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 where you persecute, prosecute, um, miseducate, and slaughter of people who have done you no wrong with impunity. Right. That's that's what needs to be done. Um, because I remember even like with with President Obama. And I mean, I think we have to admit, we have to acknowledge, for all the optics and the visuals of what of what the Obama presidency represented, it was very mm-hmm. much a failure in terms of race relations in this country. That's number one, because right. white people will forever be racist. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And for what for the hopes and aspirations of of black people, I, I think. It, we have to realize that nothing we do will ever be enough. 
Right. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Right, because never what be they're enough. doing is not because what they're doing is not because of something wrong with us. It's because of something wrong with them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm saying I think we might have another caller here. Hold on one second. Okay. Let me see. I'm looking at the switchboard. Okay. Yeah, I guess not. But yeah, but um, they will forever be be racist. And I think at the end of the day, it, because remember, Kenya, like when we even had that call when we did the show on the black white supremacists and the caller called up and he talking about black saloon in America, the black saloon in America. Yet we don't control politics. We don't control right. the economics. We don't control the right. military yet. We're destroying the country. What right. are you talking about? How are we destroying the country? Right. We're, 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 more, we're the most powerless group in the country yet. We're destroying the country. Right. See, and this is how come I find it, Hard to sympathize with white with, with, with white people who, who are also victims of police brutality and fall prey to the system. Because even as uh, Brother Tariq Nasheed always says, there's, there's going to always be a white sacrifice. But at, at, for many of them, at their core, they agree and are complicit with the system. Like they they know good and damn well Trayvon Martin was murdered in cold blood. They know right. that. They know good and damn well Darren Wilson was not assaulted by Mike Brown. They know that. They un- they fully understand what is taking place. But part of their their stick is to pretend and play like they don't know what's going on. Right. Uh, like you know, because that's what they say. I mean, we got to see all the evidence. You know, and and he was assaulting yeah. he was assaulting George Zimmerman. The bottom line is. The operator told told George Zimmerman punk ass to stay in the goddamn vehicle. Period. Right. Right. Period. Point blank. You're the aggressor in the situation. You're the instigator mm-hmm. in the situation. You have the mm-hmm. element of surprise. You have the advantage in every way because you have the gun. Right. Does anyone really believe that if George Zimmerman didn't have a pistol, he would have followed Trayvon Martin? No. Does anyone really believe that? No, you wouldn't have followed Trayvon Martin. But you knew you had a gun, so you felt empowered with that gun. And that goes back mm-hmm. to the call I was just mentioning. We talk about we need the guns to protect us from the black because America has more guns floating around in it than any other industrialized nation on the planet. Right. And 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 that is something that is ingrained and interwoven with number one, it's 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 uh, lust for blood. And number two, it's racism. All those things are in, interconnected and interrelated inextricably. And so, well, I, you know, and, and, go ahead. I was just going to say they can't admit to it because they know, I mean, they know deep down that this is a intentional psychological warfare made to, you know, terrorize us. It's the same thing with the KKKs in the hoods and riding on horses with the torches. It's a, the exact same thing. This is just, you know, right. racism 2.0. But it's the same thing. It's to keep us in a traumatic, traumatized state, 
you know, and to make us feel helpless and like, you know, this obstacle is just insurmountable, so we might as well just get used right. to it. They know that this is intentional. Right. They know about the disparities. They know that when, right. when cops murder black people, they get administrative leave, you know, and, and right. they get to either keep their job after enough time has passed or they go to another right. precinct and go on to terrorize a whole other group of people. <laughs> they know that when school right. shooters shoot up uh, innocent people, that, you know, they get all the excuses made for them and the compassion, and they want to delve into this man's psyche and find out if he was bullied or abused or, you know. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, they know it's intentional, so they're not going to ever admit it because it's, it's, it's very deliberate. And they know it. Right. It it is. It, it is. Right. And they they know exactly, um, excuse me, they know exactly, you know, what it is and, and, and what's going on. And, um, like, even President Obama, he, at least he did do things with the Justice Department because I think, I think he ended up breaking up that, that police department that Darren Wilson worked out of in Ferguson because it came out how that they were using the legal apparatuses there as a uh, as a means of economic racism, where that they would give people tickets for money, you know, like they were running a, they were running an entire racket. So he used the Justice Department to disband that to disband that department. And matter of fact, Darren Wilson before he before he had before he was in Ferguson, he was in another precinct, another police department that had that was disbanded. Because of what, because of the same types of shenanigans. Then I remember they, they they showed his face talking about he had a he was assaulted. That that dude didn't have a scratch on him. And I think the only thing that this that they understand is repercussions and consequences. Now, is anyone advocating violence? Absolutely not, because violence will get us nowhere. But what I am advocating for, I'm adi- I'm advocating for proactive. Excuse me. Proactive um, political, social, and economic action, and for defense. That's what we should be developing. Instead of brothers talking about polygamy, 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 you know, like they're gonna bounce to the top off their goddamn penis like a like a pogo stick. What you should be advocating for, brother, is for a militia. Because if you right. build anything, it has to be protected. Because that has always been the problem. For black people, when we try and build anything in America, we have no means to protect it. So Rosewood can get burned to the ground. Black Wall Street can get burned to the ground. We need a military force. Right. That's what we need. We need, we need a militia. And let's not get it twisted. This militia isn't to tear down America or tear down um, what America was built on. It is for the upliftment and the and the holding of the ideas that America was supposed to be predicated upon that has been so elusive for black people. So that's what, that's what the goal of the militia needs to be, to protect our rights under the Constitution. Not sitting here talking like you're going to take something down. Right. That's counterproductive. That's not going to work. You see what I'm saying? So... Yeah. You know, like like I said, it's a it's a touchy these are touchy uh issues and touchy subjects and there does need to be a serious 
um, movement around this issue. But how can you do that when, when black men, when it seems like black men and black women are so fractured and fragmented and discombobulated and disconnected? I don't even think many of the brothers, many black men have a will or an uh, vested interest in defending black women. Because, I mean, we have to be honest. When you look at what has been the cultural message that has been sent to black men regarding their women is their bitches, their hoes, their thoughts, their tricks. <laughs> Excuse me. And they're not worth anything. So when you, so when you demoralize the image of, of a people, which is this woman, then the men who are supposed to be the protectors, the providers, and the defense of the women they will lose their will. They'll lose, they, they will invariably lose their will to fight, and I believe that, that is what has happened um, within, you know, the, the past few, few generations, un, unfortunately. Uh, but coming down to the last two minutes, um, Kenya, do you have any other thoughts that you, that you would like to add? Um, hmm. Mm, not nothing comes off the top of my head. You pretty well covered it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, I want to thank everyone for everyone for listening. I want to thank all the callers for you know for calling in, uh, giving your two cents, sharing your stories. Um, we appreciate it. Um, we're, we're, you know, things are going to be in flux uh, with with the show. It's going to be, you know, fluctuating on different days just because of schedule, scheduling things like that. But we're going to continue to do what we're doing, continue to build this platform. We added over 100 subs um, uh, in one week. So, you know, so that's good. So, I mean, it was a good show, Kenya, and we'll, we'll do it again soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Be safe out there. All right. Godspeed.
Deep, deep.